TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dukey-Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. And away we go on this Monday night, the 22nd of March. The year is 2021. This is Scoop Podcast episode 340. Congratulations to former D. LaSalle High School star, two-time captain of the Gophers at one point after starting his collegiate career at Northwestern, former Gophers assistant with other assistant stops along the way, Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson today named the new Gophers men's basketball head coach. We will get reaction, instant reaction from some people who know Ben incredibly well. It is amazing how fast things changed. I can tell you now after the fact, Ben initially interviewed many days ago via Zoom. He impressed Mark Coyle to the point of Mark bringing Ben to the Twin Cities over the weekend. He met with Mark. He met with school president Joan Gable. He sold them on his vision. Mark Coyle extended the offer on Monday today to Ben Johnson to be the next head coach. Ben Jacobson, Northern Iowa head coach, interviewed in person over the weekend. And I know that Mark talked to a number of potential candidates, whether informally or formally, like Sam Mitchell. So Sam was on the last Scoop podcast. Sam did end up talking to Mark, but more informally. Hornets assistant coach, former Butler player, Ronald Norred, interviewed with Mark Coyle. Ryan Saunders, that was a popular name early in the process. Ryan never talked with Mark Coyle. Now, many of his former teammates reached out to Mark on his behalf. So Mark heard from a lot of people championing that cause. Hey, you should talk to Ryan Saunders. But it never got to the point of even, you know, a five-minute informal conversation. It did get to that point with Sam Mitchell. Craig Smith was in the mix in some capacity. I don't know exactly at this point how far those talks got, but Craig Smith absolutely was in this mix. Brian Dutcher, head coach San Diego State, there was interest in formally interviewing him. He has the out clause in his contract at San Diego State for Minnesota, but it never got to the point of Dutcher and Coyle, at least formally speaking. It never got to the point on Dennis Gates. That was a popular name. There really wasn't much Nico Medved steam. There was in the media, but not any real steam. And I'm positive there's another name or two that is out there that hasn't been talked about that Mark talked to. I can tell you Kenny Payne, former Kentucky assistant, he now works for Tibbs on the New York Knicks staff, that John Calipari was to reach out to Mark on Kenny's behalf. But it sounds like there was some... There was an issue between the U, Mark, and the Knicks in getting a formal interview with Kenny. So my understanding is it never got to the point of Kenny Payne formally interviewing. But he was on Mark Coyle's list. But Mark went with a guy who he knows, right? Mark, when he came here, Ben was on the staff. So Mark already had some sort of relationship with Ben. He goes with the 40-year-old. Ben has never been a head coach, but he's got many relationships in town. Richard Coffey will tell you on this podcast soon. Amir Coffey was a gopher because of Ben Johnson. Yeah, Daniel Oturu wanted to stay home, but Ben Johnson had a lot to do with that. Ben Johnson can recruit, and he'll be able to recruit at an even higher level now that this is 
his program. If you look at the transfer portal, Jamison Battle, third team, all Atlantic 10. He was on the podcast a couple episodes ago. Jamison De La Salle High School, Ben Johnson De La Salle High School, natural fit. Parker Fox, I talked to him earlier today from Matamidi High School, one of the best players in Division II, was a kick-butt player at Northern State. Over 100 programs have reached out to Parker. He has talked to Ben Johnson. Ben actually called him a few days ago on behalf of Xavier, but Ben has directly talked to Parker Fox. What about Parker Fox on next year's Gophers team? Then you think about the unbelievable 2022 class here in Minnesota. So right now, nine players in the 2022 high school class have Gophers offers. A Johnny Lee from Byron. Remember that name. Kansas just offered him. The Gophers won him. Ben Johnson already has a relationship with a Johnny. Trey Holloman, Creighton Durham Hall, Prince of Lake Bay, Minnehaha Academy, Cam Heidi, Wyzetta, Braden Carrington, Park Center. You think about Damarian Watson and Totino Grace. Ben already has those relationships. So a lot of those players are looking to commit before this calendar year is over. So maybe November or December. If you brought in Craig Smith, Craig would have been starting from scratch. Now, maybe he would have hired the right assistant coach that has some of the relationships. But as the head coach, Craig would have been starting from scratch. Ben doesn't need to start from scratch on the 2022 recruiting class. So we'll get more from others who know Ben incredibly well in just a bit. Ben Johnson will be introduced to us in the media and to the fans Tuesday morning at 11 a.m. It's a five-year contract. And, yes, the Gophers are going to save money. I don't have the financial details quite yet, but they didn't have to break the bank for Ben Johnson. Yes, that is part of this equation. They just didn't have the money to go get Eric Musselman or somebody of that ilk. So they are saving money. But Ben Johnson is well-deserving of this opportunity. He has paid his dues. So congratulations to Ben Johnson. Some other quick notes before we get to Tim Miles and others on Ben Johnson. The Vikings are after a safety and a guard. Forrest Lamp's name is out there. Will he take a minimum deal here? Sounds like the Vikings are trying to move some things along in that regard. Xavier Woods is an interesting name. The former Cowboys DB, he's got some connections here. As of Friday, there hadn't been any movement. Will Parks is another safety on their radar, so maybe it's Parks. But I just I had heard that that things were moving along, that the Vikings feel like they might be relatively co- close to securing a commitment from some free agent safety. And again, remember the name on the offensive line side, Forrest Lamp. I continue to hear there's a tackle that the Vikings have interest in, but the cap space just doesn't work at this particular moment. So maybe if they end up extending Harrison Smith, those talks ongoing, create more cap space for this year, for 2021, then maybe at that point the Vikings can revisit those talks. The NBA trade deadline is on Thursday. I hear other teams are doing the most homework on Ricky Rubio and Jake Lehman, not Jared Culver, not Josh Okogie, but Rubio and Lehman. It certainly appears like the Wolves have been playing Lehman more the last couple weeks to showcase him. Jake Lehman is very much available. I'm told the Wolves have tried to involve a third team. I've mentioned that on a couple past Scoop podcasts. They continue to try to involve a third team. Would that be for Aaron Gordon of Orlando or some other power forward? Like, I was told they literally have asked about, like, every power forward imaginable. Like, here's a name that isn't out there. I'll give it to you here on the Scoop. Dwight Powell of Dallas. They have asked about Dwight Powell of Dallas. There's no sense that Dallas is willing to move Powell for Lehman and other parts, but that is one forward the Wolves have inquired about. 
I know Lori Markinen's name is out there. I don't have specific intel that the Wolves have talked to the Bulls, but a couple of league executives told me, literally, Gerson and his crew have been canvassing the league. They've been doing a lot of, as what one executive told me, a lot of fishing. They are casting a ton of lines trying to find a forward before the, what is it, 2 o'clock deadline on Thursday. All right, let's get to a bunch of interviews. We'll start with the Ben Johnson reaction interviews. Then I caught up with Twins assistant GM Jeremy Zoll the other day. And if this podcast doesn't turn into a two-hour festivity, I talked with Gable Steveson earlier today, Gophers heavyweight wrestler, national champion wrestler. So if I have time, I can throw that conversation on this podcast. I can save the Parker Fox one for some time later, or I'll just put that on the KSTP.com sports. A lot of interviews I end up doing, I just post on KSTP.com backslash sports. Some do end up here on the podcast, but not all. So if I have time later in the week, I can throw Parker Fox on the podcast. Otherwise, I'll make sure that that gets up on our KSTP website at some point before the week is over. Let me start with Tim Miles. Tim was nice enough to do a Zoom with me just minutes after the Ben Johnson news became official. It was a very fast conversation, but I think you'll enjoy it. Tim Miles, the former Nebraska head coach, Ben Johnson, was on Tim Miles' staff the 2012-2013 season. Craig Smith was also on that staff. So Tim Miles knows Ben incredibly well. Here's my conversation from a few hours ago via Zoom with Tim Miles. Tim, your coaching tree grows that much. I don't know. It's another limb. I don't even know how to how to phrase it, but your coaching tree grows. Your reaction to Ben Johnson being named the Gophers coach. I'm really happy for Ben. He's a he's a great young guy. He's got phenomenal integrity. And you know, I think the first thing that occurs to me, and I'm sure what Mark Coyle was thinking, he's one of your own. You know, he's a Minnesota guy. He played at Minnesota. And it means so much to him to be able to come through for those people. And I'm sure he's going to do great. Um, he gets it all. He's a, he's a relatable guy. He's great with the recruiting process. And he can really coach. That helps, too. When you say he can really coach, I mean, he was with you there in Lincoln. Just take us yep. through, you know, what you mean by that. Expound on that. What, what kind of coach is he? Well, I could depend on Ben to do whatever was needed, just uh, like anything else. At the time, I had Craig Smith. There's a familiar name uh, with you. And Ben, uh, Chris Harriman also was at University of California. Now we're all on the same staff. And, you know, I really liked what uh, Ben brought to the table. Uh, like I just said, he identifies guys that, that know how to win high-level basketball in the Big Ten. Uh, that's why I want, he played there. He played at Northwestern. I thought that was critical. Uh, he knows the skills that are transferable. We've always recruited Minnesota. When I was at, you know, North Dakota State, of course, Southwest State, Mayville, uh, Colorado State, we had Minnesota guys. Of course, those are directly from Tubby. I have to thank him. But, um, uh, but you know, we wanted to go back to that high school route, and Ben's one of the first guys I called to bring him on board. How hard was it when he told you, hey, Tim, I have a chance to go home. I have a chance to go work at the University of Minnesota. I, I, first of all, I told him, when Richard got the job, I said, if you want to go back, you've got my full blessing because that's where his heart was. That's where his heart, you know, was there for a long time. And, and, and certainly it was a good experience for him. I'm sure to go to Xavier, stay in touch with Ben, but uh, coming back, I'm sure he's on top of the world. And I think the Gophers are getting a good one. What will you say to the skeptics who say, Tim, A, the Gophers are saving money with this hire and B, that Ben skipped a step that, that logically speaking, you normally need to go and be a head coach, low major, mid major, that, that this is a really big leap up. Yeah. There's always contrarians. There's always going to be somebody 
that, you know, you're not going to meet everybody's taste palette, so to speak. So that goes with the territory. Similar things were said when I went from North Dakota State as a Division One independent to the Mountain West, which had Utah, BYU, and then all the regular uh, customers. So, you know, that that's part of the territory. Uh, a guy's got to get an opportunity somewhere. You know, I mean, so where, where is that? And I think that if it hadn't been such the good fit, would it have been the right fit at Iowa or another Big Ten school? Maybe not, but it's certainly the right fit uh, for Minnesota. I'll hit you with two more. What about Ben will surprise us? Ah, what about Ben will surprise you? Uh, that, um, uh, that yeah, uh, that's a, I, I don't know a good answer to that one. What about I mean, what ben you see is what you get. I mean, yeah, Lee's maroon and gold. I mean, it's a great story, Tim, right? De La Salle High School captain for the Gophers, you know, he went to Northwestern for a couple of years, but then comes back here and plays bounced around. He's paid his dues, right? I mean, I guess that would be my comeback to the skeptics. Like is coaching for a couple of years at a, at a low to mid major, that big of a deal. Like he's, he's ready for this. He's, he's paid his dues and, and the time is now he's 40 years old. Like this makes a ton of sense to me. Well, let's face it. We all know I was a head coach for 24 years. The ability to be head coach is overrated. <laughs> that you, you know, I mean, it's every, like I always say to uh, our fans, you know, all that stuff. I said, you guys have a real advantage. I said, um, I got to coach one team. You guys get to coach everybody's team because you know how the fans in the stands are. They're all good coaches. But, you know, that being said, uh, you know, I don't think there's a lot that surprises me about Ben because what you see is what you get. He's a guy of really good integrity. Um, and integrity is, you know, some guys aren't, you know, he's just a good person all the way through and through and through. So he's going to do fine. And uh, that Big Ten, how about two straight hires now of assistant coaches that have been in the league before? Um, uh, Micah Shrewsbury, who was at Purdue, went to Penn State, and now with Ben uh, from Xavier going into uh, Justin Gard just texted me. What's JG's my guy. Him and I go way back. Why is he bothering me? I'm busy. Hartman on the fan. Yeah, he's bothering you because I'm sure he wants you on with, with him <laughs> and Barrero. So I'll let you get to that in a second. But how about even going back before that? So Jawan Howard, technically, right, assistant coach head coach but Jawan's got Phil Martelli on his staff would you listen if Ben calls you Tim will you pick up the phone would you have any interest in helping out you know what I I have no idea what Ben's gonna do uh but I know he's gonna hire a great staff and and I don't know uh I don't know what I'm gonna do that's a really good question I think I need to ponder that tonight uh during this UCLA game figure out what where where are you going with your life kid uh we'll figure it out well you'll have time to ponder last time I checked UCLA is up very comfortably. So you'll have plenty of time to ponder. Let me just leave you with this. Ben, relentless recruiter, like you just said, you know, maybe coaching's overrated, hire the right staff. You know, anybody can do the X's and O's. Maybe not anybody, but a lot of people can. But it's all about recruiting. And, and Ben's a relentless recruiter. Yeah. And he identifies well, too. He sees what works in the league and what doesn't work in the league. And I think he's always done that. Um, you know, he worked with Ben Jacobson, who's really good down at Northern Iowa also. And he's been around high quality coaches that way. Uh, he, you, you know, the thing about Minnesota is what, you know, uh, so all those guys going to Marquette and Wisconsin and Texas and all these other places. And, and now when guys start to get hurt, where's our depth? Where's our this? Where's our that? I don't think that you're going to see that happen to Ben Johnson. I think he's going to make that uh, border. That border wall is going to be tougher to canvas than it has been in the past. Tim, thank you so much, especially on short notice. And I'll stay in touch. Okay. All the best. Thanks, Dewey. We go from Tim Miles to Dan Munson. Dan Munson was the Gophers coach when Ben Johnson was on the Gophers. So Dan Munson was Ben's college coach 
Ben was a two-time captain for Dan Munson. Here is Dan Munson's reaction. I talked to him via Zoom a couple hours ago. Dan is now the head coach. He's been the head coach for many years at Long Beach State. Coach, good to see you. Good to catch up. I was just talking with Tim Miles. We were talking about the Tim Miles coaching tree with Craig Smith. Ben Johnson was in Lincoln with Tim for a year. But now I think about the Dan Munson coaching tree, right? (laughs) J.B. Bickerstaff, Ryan Saunders, Nico Medved, and lo and behold, Ben Johnson. Coach, what's your reaction to Ben Johnson getting the Gophers job? Well, first of all, you left out Mark Few. That's my big claim to fame. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I guess I was just thinking your Minnesota coaching tree. You're right, Mark yeah, Few. I yes. I don't think I don't. I don't think Mark ever thought he worked for anybody, though. I think he he's always been a head coach in his mind. So, and a pretty good one at that. But Ben's going to be a good one too. Uh, I'm I'm thrilled, uh, not just uh, uh, for Ben the the coach, but Ben the the um, person, and Ben the Gopher, and it's. Uh, that's a hard job and he knows it because he's, you know, he's been there as an assistant. He's been there as a player. Uh, but um, I think one of the hardest things for me, even though my, my dad was born in Minnesota and I had some Minnesota roots, you've got to, uh, you got to kind of be a quote unquote gopher, I think um, to really understand how to get it done there. And, and Ben does that. And I think it's a great hire. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, this is as provincial, I think, you know, this well, this is as provincial a marketplace, I think, as there is in the entire country. So how much will that expound on that? How much will that benefit, Ben? The fact that he grew up here in town, he went to DeLaSalle High School, played for you for a couple of years, was a captain for you for a couple of years, and then coached under Patino here that he's got all these Gophers ties. I think, I think it's huge. And, and, he, and it wasn't easy for him. You know, he wasn't a star. He was, he, you know, like you said, he was a captain. He was a leader, but he wasn't. Uh, he had to, you know, he went to Northwestern first and uh, uh, to come back, he had to pay. Uh, there was a rule back then in the Big Ten that you couldn't get a scholarship and stay within the, in the Big Ten. And it, I, I say that only because it shows how much he wanted to be a part of, of being back at, at, at uh, Minnesota and his parents and to play in front of them. And uh, uh, he knows what it is to to be an in-state recruit, you know, and, and, and play within the state. He knows what it is to be an assistant coach, you know, in the, in the, the, the Williams arena box or whatever you want to call it on that bench. And, and uh, you know, he's uh, I think, I think it's a great hire by Mark Coyle, just out of the box, a little bit young. He's got the energy. He's articulate. He's smart. Uh, he just, he just, he's, he's a up and coming star in, in our profession and um and for mark coyle to have the the uh the wherewithal to to bring him on board i just i just think i'm excited to for the gophers and i'm really excited for ben did you have a chance coach to talk to mark coyle as mark coyle was vetting out ben did he have a chance to catch up with you did not but uh doesn't matter uh because you know he he got it right so um uh and and i consider mark a friend of mine but he, uh he, he, he knew what he was doing. I don't know how much he betted, but he, I think he knows Ben. Uh, I think Ben was a player when he was uh, like the fundraiser uh, because Mark was there when I was there. So, uh, and then came back. So uh, I'm sure he knew Ben had a relationship with him then too. You mentioned this is a hard job. Why is it such a hard job? I mean, it was from you and you took over with, with all sorts of penalties working, you know, coming off, you know, the debacle with, with Clem. So, I mean, you had a lot working against you, but 
then it trickled into, you know, Tubby. Tubby had some success, but maybe not enough. Norwood Teague makes the change. Richard Patino comes in. You know, I mean, Richard, you know, had his struggles. Great guy, but the record spoke for itself. But, like, that's three coaches, right? I mean, that was you, that was Tubby, that was Richard. That goes back a long time, Dan. Like, why Why is this such a hard job? Well, I'd like to, I'd like to say I think that's three really good coaches, too. But uh, I think, I think that the thing about the Minnesota job and everybody in that state just knows the Minnesota job, but they don't really know the rest of the league and how, how great some of those jobs are. Minnesota is a really good job and that's why I took it. And that's why they took it. You know, it, it's an elite job in, in, in the country, but in the, in the big 10, it's not an elite job. And that, that's where I think people, you know, it, you know, it's not as good a job. If you have to pick between it and Indiana, Indiana has more, you know, you, you nod your head right away. It's just got more tradition. It's got more uh, things there. It's not as good a job as Michigan. It's not as good a job as Michigan State. It's not as good a job as Ohio State. Illinois has Chicago right in its backyard. You know, Wisconsin has, you know, uh, been a better job over the years. So now you're down to this, you know, and I Maryland wasn't even there when I was there, but it's probably not as good as Maryland. I, I haven't been firsthand there. So now you're down to eight, nine, 10 with the Purdue's and Iowa's of the big 10. And that's, you know, where Tubby and, and unfortunately myself and, and uh, Richard ended up a lot in that seven, eight, nine area, you know, and you get ahead of one or two of those people that have better jobs, but it's really hard on a consistent basis to compete with teams that have better situations than you have. And so, you know, that, that makes it a difficult job a good job, but it's hard because there's so many schools within, you know, I had some, I think Mark Few was telling me the other day that Illinois in the bubble, you know, they brought their own weight room in a, in a semi truck for the bubble. I mean, who does that? Illinois does. Okay. I don't think, you know, um, many schools and that's what you're competing against on a daily basis. My team at Long Beach state has not been allowed in a weight room since March 12th of last year, and they're bringing one with them on the road. So, you know, every job is not equal. And uh, this is a, and Minnesota, I mean, I, I love my time there. I had a great experience there. I became a better coach, dad, everything while I was there. Um, but um, it's a hard job. Did you see coaching qualities in Ben? I mean, was that part of your decision to, to name him a two-time captain? No, I mean back then when they're when they're they they all think they're coaching when they're playing. They all think they 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 know what play to call or whatever. But but it's it's uh, coaching is leadership. Coaching and he had leadership. You know that's why he was captain as a you know a quote unquote walk on. You know and uh, uh, and and he has been. You know, my we had a joke. My younger son today, he doesn't know what he's going to work out in anymore because all he's all the only gear he's worked out in the last three or four years is Xavier gear. And I say that because Ben was that kind of guy that would always keep in touch with you, that just always, uh, you know, wanted to connect and, and, and respected your opinion and wanted to learn and wanted to pick your brain. And, uh, you know, that's what you know, people that, that have a thirst of knowledge do. And, and so, you know, he, that's, that's just who he is. And, uh, uh, I, I, I didn't see it coming, but, uh, I, I'm, you know, cause I'm, I'm not that smart. I'm not as smart as Coyle and I'm not as smart as some people, but certainly, um, I, I see him having great success. So you didn't see it coming. So when you heard the news a couple hours ago, was it like, 
holy bleep, I won't say the actual word, but like, was it complete shock? No, not complete shock. Um, uh, but, but complete joy, you know, uh, because again, there's a lot of people out there that, that, that are qualified for that job that, that didn't get it. There's a lot of people that, that, you know, make sense that they didn't hire, you know, and, uh, and that took, you know, to, to hire at the big 10 level, somebody that has no head coaching experience that takes guts as an administrator that takes foresight as a, you know, as a, as a school. And, and uh, I mean, uh, even to hire Richard who had had one year, you know, everybody will question that. And, and yet he proved that, but um, uh, I, it, I, it's hard to imagine when the last, I guess, Greg Gar got moved up within their program, but the last time somebody in the big 10 has gotten a big 10 basketball head coaching job, as an assistant from another university. I mean, I think I'd be hard pressed to, to name one. Well, I'll give you one. It happened a couple of days ago. So you probably didn't see it or, or maybe forgot, but didn't Penn state hire one of Matt Painter's assistant you're, coaches? You're absolutely right. And as I, as I say that, I, I, I just uh, thought of uh, uh, Collins at uh, Northwestern. So it has been done before, uh, but um, you know, uh, it's not, it's not the normal route for a lot of, it's not the safe route for a lot of uh, administrators to go. So the key is, right, like Juwan Howard has Phil Martelli right next to his side. Is that the key that, that Ben needs to, to, to nail his staff? Uh, I, I think it made sense for Juwan, who hadn't, you know, been in the college game for a while. Ben's been in the college game, you know, for the last, I don't know, 10, 10 12 years at least, you know. I mean, he's, had, he's been under some great guys like Ben Jacobson at Northern Iowa and and uh, his experiences at you know with Patino and and now at, at Xavier, so you know he's got a lot of you know. Uh, but again, this is trust in Ben uh, that he's going to put together a great staff. Um, I've already had fifteen people. Hey, can you call Ben? I'd be perfect for him. So he's going to have be no short of of candidates. And and uh, but uh, I think he'll he'll uh, hire a, a staff that complements his strengths and. Uh, uh, that's the key too, you know. I mean, uh, what what other people can do on your on your program versus you versus the other assistants, and just getting that chemistry to to because it's a, it's a it's a big job. And uh, uh, but I think he's up for it. I'll hit you with two more. What sort of recruiter do you think Ben will be? He's been a good recruiter over the years. I mean, Amir Coffee comes here because of Ben. Daniel Oturu came here in large part because of Ben. He landed a, a couple really good players for. For Xavier, but it's different when when it's your program when when you're the lead guy. I mean, do you think he'll just be a relentless recruiter? Yeah, I think you already answered that question. <laughs> just think of those players you just named. I mean, those are ballers, and uh, and I think again, I think the younger you are, the 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 more you're going to have your hands in the recruiting. And uh, uh, you know, I think I think he's going to you know do a lot of that himself. And uh, he's got, I mean. I don't know anybody personally that doesn't like Ben. And, and, and again, recruiting is, is people, it's a people skill job. It's a people person job, you know, evaluating it is, 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 you know, the, the, the harder thing for, for people, but, but uh, the recruiting itself is just uh, being a good person that people can identify with. And uh, you know, I, I, yeah, he's got relationships, I'm sure, you know, from his time there, you know, again, I haven't been directly involved with him for a few years, but, uh, you know, there, there can't be a, a high school coach in, a, in the state that isn't comfortable sending their player to him. And that's half the battle. 
I agree. Last one for you. So I'm with you. Like when ranking Big Ten jobs, Dan, this is it's somewhere in that ballpark of eight, nine, ten. You brought up Wisconsin. So Wisconsin just got done playing in the NCAA tournament for the 21st time in the last 22 years. Why exactly do they have all that success? I think that's what a lot of Gophers fans struggle with. Heck, a lot of us media types. Like, how can Wisconsin have all that success and Gopher basketball can't even touch that success? Well, again, I think I think you're being a little hard on the Gopher. You know, I mean, I, I know we all want these Final Four banners and and all this and that, but the Gophers are rich in tradition, too. I mean, uh, th- that was one of the things that intrigued me about how many years they've been to postseason and, and uh, the you know, but it's not. It hasn't been uh, – deep runs and, and unfortunately everything gets measured by the NCAA tournament and how far you go. But, but Minnesota basketball is, is not like it's been a, a downtrodden like Northwestern who's went to the first NCAA tournament in, in their lifetime here a year or two ago. I mean, it's not like that, but, but Wisconsin is, is, you know, it's a lot like what happened at, at Gonzaga 21 years ago, you know, got, got a, a group of guys and a, and a culture, that hasn't changed and the, 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 the way they recruit, the way they, they also like Gonzaga got some new facilities and some new things at that time that, that kind of catapulted that. I think, I think that's about, you know, Cole, how, how old is Cole, you know, Cole center, you know, um, and, and those kind of things. So uh, they get that going. And it's the amazing thing is, is not having the run, but it's, as you're saying, is sustaining it. And uh, the, the ball rolls downhill a lot faster than it goes uphill. And yet the programs like Wisconsin or Gonzaga of the world have been able to keep that ball uh, going uphill and, 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 and keep going in the right direction. And, uh, you know, there's no real magic formula for it, except, uh, you know, I think a lot of it is continuity. I mean, how many, how many head coaches have been in those 22 years at Wisconsin versus at Minnesota? how many head coaches have been at Gonzaga in the last 22 years, you know? So, uh, you know, once you get something going, you, you know, it's, it's having a foresight to keep it. And hopefully we'll be talking about the dynasty Ben Johnson did, you know, 22 years ago, you know, if I'm still around to, to even uh, to witness it, but I'm, I'm excited for him. I like your chances. I mean, it's not like you're 75 or 80 <laughs> years old, Dan. I'll hit you with one more, one non Ben Johnson question. So you brought up Gonzaga. Like once in the Gonzaga family, always in the Gonzaga family. Like we pay attention here because of Jalen Suggs, right? Jalen Suggs, Twin Cities kid, Minnehaha Academy. Like we've celebrated Jalen. He was an unbelievable football player. Like I'm convinced if he wanted to go the football route, he would have played at Ohio State, maybe Minnesota, maybe Iowa State. But like he would have dominated on the gridiron. But like we've been tracking him since he was in the sixth grade. So there are a lot of Gonzaga fans here in the Twin Cities. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. And I think that's part of the, the culture thing that really, you know, is unbelievable. There's still, there's traditions there that, that we did when I was a head coach that they still do like, you know, the, the freshmen have to pack the, the bags on the plane with the coaches and list little half court shots, you know, uh, to get everybody ready, you know, for any possible way to win the game on a game day, little things. And, and, you know, um, when, when they went in 2017 to the Final Four and Mark called me uh, that, uh, that next that Sunday morning, he said, you know, you're going with us. And I said, yeah, I'm, 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 hey, I go to the Final Four every year. And he said, no, you're going with us. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, here's a hotel. Here, you know, here's a guy called for tickets. And, you know, I said, Mark, I, I, I'm, this is 20 years ago. I said, you know, 
I, I'm, you know, this is your thing. He goes, no, this is all of our thing. He said, this was built brick by brick, year by year. And everybody that, that had a part of it is going to be a part of it. And I, he said, I want your kids there. And I said, my kids weren't even born. He said, well, they were born into the Gonzaga family. And uh, it, it's really humbling to even think about. But he had a bus for just our families. And one, one, one film session, we, you, know, we, you know, he went to all the practices and the film. One film session, the former coaches and players went into. He had us come at 6.45. He didn't tell us, but the, the team was in there at 6.30. And, and when we got there, the players gave us a standing ovation. And it's that culture that 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 uh, you know has sustained them, and then obviously you know he's just done an unbelievable job to every year get better and better, and now to have a Jalen Suggs to put him into a a class that they've never been in is pretty exciting. Dan, that's an amazing story. Thank you so much, especially on short notice. Wishing you all the best, and I'll certainly stay in touch. Okay. Go Gophers. It was fun catching up with the former Gophers coach, current Long Beach State coach, Dan Munson. Let's finish the Ben Johnson reaction by catching up with Richard Coffey, former Gopher, his son Amir, former Gopher. Richard actually was so excited to talk to me. He's on vacation. Like, there's no way Richard ends up answering the phone if it's, you know, Craig Smith or you name, you know, uh, another candidate. If Ben Jacobson gets the job today. Richard Coffey would have enjoyed his vacation. He would have gotten back to me when he got back to the Twin Cities. But he is so excited. He said, hey, let's Zoom. I'm here in Mexico, but let's Zoom. So here is my quick conversation from today with Richard Coffey. Richard, your thoughts on somebody you are incredibly close with, Ben Johnson. He is about, it's about to be official here in a few minutes. He is going to be named the new Gophers basketball head coach. I am super excited for Ben. Ben is an amazing person. He works really hard. He's a Minnesota guy. You know, he knows he's had he has big time relationships in Minnesota. And I, I'm pulling for him. I know you're pulling for him. Take the audience through, Richard, how far back your relationship with Ben goes. I know that your son Amir, in all likelihood, is not a gopher if not for Ben Johnson. Amir is not a gopher without Ben. Um, Amir was the main recruiter for Amir, actually the only recruiter for Amir. Amir went to the University of Minnesota for one reason, and that was to play for Ben Johnson. Um, it had nothing to do with Patino being the head coach. Patino didn't recruit Amir. Ben Johnson recruited Amir. And when Ben Johnson left, you know, Amir had a really hard time with that because Ben was Ben was his guy. Um, and then once, once Ben did leave, um, you know, Coach Conroy did a great job of building a relationship with Amir, and I love Conroy for that. Um, but I'm super excited about Ben. You know, Ben, I, I've been knowing ben, been knowing ben for years. You know, I watched him play at De La Salle, watched him grow up in Minnesota, uh, had conversations with him long before he started recruiting Amir. And, man, I, I am, you know, it's a, it's a feel-good story for Ben Johnson, the, the native son, to come back home. I mean, this might be the only interview you would do, right, Richard, from Mexico. You're on vacation right now. Like, if I had said, hey, Richard, give me a reaction to Craig Smith being head coach, you probably would have said, Doogie, I'm on vacation. Never mind. But for Ben would, Johnson, this might just speak to, to how much you love this hire, that you're doing this from Mexico. No, awesome. I'm, I'm super excited for Ben. You know, there, there's not a better person in the world than Ben Johnson. He is an amazing – forget about the basketball part. He's an amazing human being. 
which is awesome. Now, when you add the basketball part, he's paid his dues. He, he's worked really hard. And it's just great to bring him back home. Now, there's a lot of work to be done. I mean, it's a tough job. The program is left in a, in a position where you got to come in and you got to work really hard. It's going to be really important for Ben to hire the right assistants uh, to make sure that he can have a strong team around him uh, to help him make the University of Minnesota successful. I'll leave you with this. How much will he galvanize the Gopher basketball family that, you know, for myriad reasons, going back multiple years, it just seemed like there were a lot of disgruntled alum. You might have even been in that mix to some extent. How much do you think that this hire will help galvanize the Gopher basketball community? I, I can't wait to get back home to go to the University of Minnesota and, and hang around in the basketball department just to hang out with Ben. I think it's going to galvanize it a lot. I mean, my son Amir just called me 15 minutes ago and was like, did you hear that Ben Johnson's getting the call, getting the job? And I was like, yeah. He said, man, I can't wait to get back home now. I mean, it's just, I mean, just that alone says a lot. And I think most Minnesota basketball players from the past are going to feel that way. Um, I think everybody in Minnesota is going to be pulling for Ben. I, I, am, I am so excited for him and his family. It, it, it couldn't have happened to a better person. Um, now, like I said, there's work to be done, but I'm super excited for him. One more I lied, Richard, and then I'll let you get back to the, to the fun in the games. You know there will be skeptics. The skeptics will say, okay, the Gophers had to save a lot of money, that they have all sorts of financial issues, that this hire was, was financially based. Other skeptics will say, how the heck does he go from assistant coach to high major head coach? He skipped a step, that he should have gone and, and been a head coach at a mid or low major. What do you say to those skeptics? I, I'll say the same way. Patino went from coaching a small school in Florida from one year to a Big Ten coach. I'll say that. That's what I'll say. It's a great opportunity for Ben, and I yeah. hope he's successful. Tom Izzo was an assistant way back when, right? I mean, that was in the mid-'90s, exactly. but he made the jump. Jawan Howard exactly. was an assistant coach. He made exactly. the jump up. It's it's not unheard of. And, I mean, just, and, you know, in, close, in closing here, Richard, I mean, you just you feel like, He's ready. He's 40 years old. He knows what he's doing. He's paid his dues. The time is now. He's paid his dues. And with any, with any hire, it's going to be key that you hire the right assistant coaches. That, I mean, that's going to be key. So I hope he takes his time, and I hope, I hope he's very thoughtful in that process because a lot of people are going to be coming at him. His telephone is probably ringing off the hook. Everybody wants a job. And I hope he's really strategic in how he go about hiring his assistant coaches. You can't hire friends. you got to hire people that know what they're doing. Richard, thank you for doing this on such short notice. Let's have a beer when you get back into town, okay? For sure. For sure, my friend. Okay. Good to see you, Richard. Thank you. Yeah, good to see you as well. Okay. Thank you. See ya. Former Gopher and Timberwolf, my neighbor, Richard Coffey. All right, let's now transition to some twinge chatter. I caught up on, when was it, Friday or Thursday? It doesn't matter. All these talking points are still applicable. I caught up with Twins Assistant General Manager Jeremy Zoll. One week from now, the Twins will be wrapping up spring training. One week from Thursday, it's opening day. Twins at Brewers, April 1st from Milwaukee. Here is my conversation the other day with Jeremy Zoll. The countdown's on. I mean, it's T-minus, what, two weeks now until opening day. April 1st in Milwaukee is is fast approaching. Is this about the time where things really start to ramp up down there? 
Totally. Yeah. It, it, it was one of those things where we went from feeling like, Hey, still, still a lot of time left in spring guys are just getting their feet under them. We got uh, three weeks to go. And then instantly you're like, wait, we have two weeks to go in less than two weeks. So it definitely feels like that, that turns pretty quickly here. And uh, you know, guys have now had, you know, over a month down here to get their workouts, to get uh, in game action. And um, you know, it's starting to feel like there's, you know, real opportunity for discussions and, and decisions to be made. And, and that's a, certainly an exciting time for us. What jumps out to you? I mean, I suppose you could go myriad directions with that question, but just overall, just what are some observations that jump out to you? Yeah, I think, um, you know, on a, on a positive front, it's been, and I guess I'll knock on wood while I give this answer, but, you know, it's been great to see uh, guys stay generally healthy, um, you know, for this, for this, this long of a stretch early and going spring training, you never know what you're going to get, especially coming off such a weird year. And for some of the guys that, that missed the year that are in big league camp and, and so on. So that's been really encouraging to see. Um, and it allows us to feel like we're um, getting to make decisions by choice, as opposed to having our hand forced. Um, that's certainly been um, one of the areas. And then two, a lot of the work put in by our whole group uh, top to bottom uh, during the off season with our non-roster invitee process, waiver claim process, and so on, and seeing uh, a number of great showings from, from that crew has been really encouraging after all the, the thought, time, effort that, that's gone in from a lot of different people to, to bring those, those, uh, those new members of the organization in. And, I mean, that's an ongoing process, right? I mean, that literally never stops. Like, I don't know if you're going and scouting other games, but you certainly have scouts out watching other teams, right, where you guys could easily make a roster move here before the month is over. Exactly. There's there's a weekly uh, call with our uh, pro scouting player personnel group and um, Brad Stiles working to stay on top of uh, all the information coming in from our scouts and and on the waiver bulletin and and so on and uh, try to keep that as much of a two way street as possible to understand where any needs or uh, areas of depth are, are coming up for us. And uh, if there's the right opportunity, then then uh, try to try to strike at that point. Where could you use depth? I mean, are we talking maybe a middle infielder, I guess, always pitching, maybe a reliever? Uh, yeah, I think you're hitting on, I think you're hitting on the right ones for sure. Um, you know, we, we certainly feel good about, um, you know, our, our major league infield crew and, and the group we've brought in with JT Riddle, Suwei Lin and others. And great to see Nick Gordon healthy and, and playing again uh, for sure. So that puts us in a good spot, but um, you know, we're, we're, those are always good uh, areas to, to be evaluating and just making sure that if there are any opportunities for upgrade that, you know, we're aware of them and, um, and, and trying to stay on top of that. So how many jobs, Jeremy, like right now are, are open as, as you're thinking about that 26 man roster to bring to Milwaukee and we all get it. I mean, the roster is ever changing. I mean, the roster we see April 1st likely won't be the roster we see like April 10th or April 12th. I mean, it's constantly changing. So I think at times we obsess too much over that opening day roster when it's, it's constantly fluid, but but how many decisions need to be made? Like how many jobs are locked up? I presume many and how many are, are still up in the air? Yeah. So, uh, you know, to add, add another wrinkle into the normal, what's the difference between April 1st and April 12th is, uh, is also that we start, you know, with a national league opponent in, in Milwaukee this year. And, you know, the, the nuances that come with building out the roster to, to tackle national league games versus, you know, American league games for a long stretch after that. So uh, definitely on, on everyone's mind. Uh, basically feels like a couple on on each side of the the ball position player and pitchers that 
that we're really trying to drill down on and, and make sure we're considering all all factors and you know also trying to not get too hellbent on any uh, any decision before we get right to the end of camp because it does feel like there's always something that could happen where someone um, is comes up a little sore or something along those lines that that does change um, the decisions that that need to be made so um, it, it's kind of those last couple last couple bench spots last couple uh, spots in the bullpen that we're really drilling down on uh, the most at present. On the bullpen, I mean, is it 14 pitchers? Are you guys pretty much locked in on 14 pitchers, or could it be less? Could it be more? I mean, you guys have, what, two off days in the first couple weeks, but there's also a stretch of of a lot of games. I think, what is it, 17 games in the first 19 days? So is it safe to think that maybe you take the extra pitcher if, if you know, it comes down to, to a tough decision? And some, it's something we're definitely continuing to evaluate, and I think that's also where that National League piece is going to potentially throw a wrinkle in for us as we manage what does the bench look like and, and how do we navigate that. So um, we, we've, we've definitely gone back and forth internally a few different times. Uh, is it going to be 14? Is it going to be 13? And uh, I, I don't even know exactly where the needle is, is shifting right now, but I don't think that there's a, a, any, any clear decision that, that's been made, and, and I guess – to your to your earlier question that that is something that's still up in the air uh as well so that that would shift if, if we have one extra decision to make on the bench or one extra decision to make for, for the bullpen so i saw your lineup for today and i'll admit jeremy i've been knee deep and and i'm grateful to have work to chase but nfl free agency with the vikings the last week the the gopher basketball team relieves richard patino of his duties and now they're they're going through a coaching search so i've been distracted by that so I haven't been knee deep in, in baseball. I, I'll ramp that up here in, in the coming days, and I'm grateful for, for a conversation like this. But I did see the lineup for today that Miguel Sano is at third base. Is that the first time he's playing third base this spring, or has he done that already? Yeah, it's, it's something we've been, we've been talking about and trying to figure out the right time to, to pick spots for Miguel to get uh, a look or two over there again. Um, you know, obviously he did it for much of his uh, – the early part of his career, but, but not at all last year so. It's something that, um, you know, as we try to maintain as much roster flexibility as possible and, um, you know, that, that would just open up some opportunities if at any point um, Josh Donaldson does need a day off or, or whatever that might, might be, give, gives Rocco and the staff a few other options. So um, looking forward to getting him some, some opportunities back there, make sure he's as comfortable as possible. So if, uh, if duty calls during the, the year, he's, he's ready to rock. I mean, is that the idea on Donaldson that, you know, maybe some days he's, DHing, but that there has to be some sort of plan and you guys have a plan where he's just he's not going to play third base 150 games this year just you know just with his injury history now that he's in his mid-30s it's just it's probably not realistic for him to always play third base yeah we we spend a lot of time talking about that with with really an, uh, the vast majority of our guys and and how um it's unlikely that that any of them are playing 155 160 games and, and you see that happening more and more um, across the game at this point. I don't think that's even just a, a twins issue, but it's something that that Rocco spends a lot of time deliberating about. He's he's very passionate about taking rest and recovery seriously. And, um, you know, there's there's this aspect of wanting to put our best lineup on the field as, as often as possible, but but most importantly, putting our best lineup on the field in October um, in, in the in, in playoff series and, and making sure that uh, we manage the the marathon there and don't worry as much about the sprint. So a lot of uh, considerations going into that for how we'll navigate, um, whether it's Josh Donaldson, whether it's Jorge Polanco, whether it's Luis. Or 
or others just to, to keep them as, as healthy as possible for, uh, for that, that stretch run. On October, I mean, do you guys internally just kind of chuckle at some of the dialogue coming out of White Sox camp? I think I saw Giolito the other day gushing about how deep they are, how talented they are. Tim Anderson on record saying, you know, they're pretty much the best team in the division. My point is, like, until you knock the team that's on the throne off, you shouldn't be talking all that much. You guys are back-to-back division champs. Like, to me, you guys are the ones who should be doing the talking, but you haven't, probably smartly so. But do you guys just chuckle at some of the some of the chatter coming out of White Sox camp? Yeah, I think I think we just keep keep the focus on what what we're doing and what we can control and and, and stay with that process. And Rocco and, and really all the guys are are great about that. And um, you know, there's there's a clear goal insight for uh, everyone within the organization and going to focus really hard on on ourselves and what we can do. And obviously have the opportunity to play everyone in the division a number of times. So uh, should be some some fun battles throughout the year, but. Uh, staying focused on on us and, and being ready for the season for sure. What sort of luxury is Louis Arise going back to, you know, all guys not playing 150-ish games, whatever it is, where where Louis Arise can play some second, he can play some third, he can probably play some left field. If you need to DH him, you can do that. Where, like, Louis's going to get a ton of at-bats, whatever it is, 600 at-bats or, you know, somewhere in that ballpark. You know, he may not be married to one specific, you know, position, but, Jeremy, he has – that sort of flexibility. And he's a, he's a great luxury for you guys. Undoubtedly. And we, and we saw how um, someone like Marwin Gonzalez last year was able to essentially take down an everyday role, despite being the, the quote unquote 10th man. And um, you know, that that's one of the, the things we're really excited about with the roster construction for this year, that um, that Louie will uh, be able to get basically everyday ABs, but um, it'll just look a little bit different than maybe, um, it does for another guy who collects every day at bats, but um, he was able to get a, um, a game in left field recently as well. And, and similar to what we were talking about with Sano here, you know, just want to make sure he's as, excuse me, as comfortable as possible in um, as many positions as possible. So that um, depending on if, if an injury does pop up during the year, he's ready to take it down and, and just to also rotate through to give those guys a breather, whether that's uh, a DH day uh, every so often, or, or just someone getting a full day off. On that left field battle, I guess, just how how do you handicap that? Uh, I don't know. I feel I I, I feel like uh, we're 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 much more in let everyone go out and play right now and and just see see where we're at uh, once we get a little bit later in in camp. But I don't think uh, you know I don't think we're spending too much time digging in on on the handicap or the odds. So if anyone was trying to make bets on that, I apologize that I can't uh, set the lines for you, but. Uh, we're, we're just going to let um, that whole crew continue to do their thing. And everyone brings something a little bit different to the table, whether it's positional flexibility, whether it's left-handed, right-handed bats. And um, that gives us all kinds of opportunities once, once the season comes. How much stock do you put into spring training numbers? Like the former Dodger, former Brave, is it garlic? I mean, you know, it looks like he's putting up some good numbers. Maybe the Kirilov numbers aren't great, but like, I just, I look at that Kirilov swing and I just, I'm in love with that swing. Like, I think he's going to eventually be right up there for a batting title, you know, if not win a batting title, but like, you know, garlic is producing, like how much do you guys pay attention to these, to these March numbers? Yeah, I think, you know, we're, you definitely, you're definitely looking at them, definitely trying to factor them in. They're not, they're, they're not everything. They're not nothing. Um, plenty of work has been done on, limited correlation between spring training performance and 
and in-season uh, performance, but, um, you know, it's also uh, always good when someone's, you know, feeling, feeling good at the plate. So try, try to factor in a number of different, a no- number of different components into those evaluations. And it's also not just a surface level stat line, but we have the ability at this point to go to these underlying statistical numbers and understand, um, you know, swing and miss numbers or, or exit velocities, whatever it might be uh, to understand expected outcomes as well, just to help uh, create another layer into the evaluation for any of these cases. And, um, you know, ultimately uh, looking for, for good problems to have where we have lots of high quality players competing for uh, competing for spots on the big league team. How's the transition for Polanco? I mean, he's played second base before going back many years in the minors, but how's that transition going? Yeah, I think first and foremost, it's, it's been awesome to see him feeling so much better with, uh, with his ankle and that procedure really putting him in a good spot. He worked hard this off season with our um, high performance team to, uh, to get to as healthy as possible head, heading into the year. And um, it's, it's great to see him not having to, to navigate uh, the pain that he was dealing with towards the end of last year um, in that ankle. And as you said, you know, it's a position that he's played in the past. So um, I don't know if it's officially like riding a bike, but, but something uh, in that realm where he feels pretty comfortable. Um, and he's been spending time most recently uh, trying to get get work in with Andrelton Simmons to to make sure they're as much on the same page as as possible uh, for for being double play partners there. Is there a sense that 2021 Mitch Garver will be more like the 2019 Mitch Garver, not the 2020 Mitch Garver? I, I think I think we are certainly um, quite optimistic on that front. Mitch Mitch looks great, feels great, and has been swinging the bat well. So uh, a lot of signs pointing towards. Um, you know, the, the 2019 version of Mitch uh, instead of, um, you know, the struggles he dealt with last year physically um, and, and at the plate. So that's, that's really encouraging for us. And uh, it'll, it'll be great to have uh, his, his power bat back in uh, the middle of the lineup there. How's Royce Lewis doing? I mean, is the plan for him just to stay down there in Fort Myers for a while? Is that the best spot for him to, to continue his rehab? That's correct. Yep. So we have, you know, we'll, we'll have him continue his, his rehab. He was able to start getting some upper body lifts in, in, in the weight room um, as recently as a few days ago. So um, he's in, he's in as good a spirits as you could hope and expect. Um, as you could probably guess, there's, there's not a ton to do in the early going first couple of weeks coming out of an ACL surgery. Um, a lot of, a lot of passive care and, and just rest and recovery at, uh, in the early going, but starting to get him in the weight room to, to get some activity and, um, maintain muscle muscle mass and, and all those things, but he's in good spirits. He'll be down here in Fort Myers with our uh, rehab crew that that's down here. And um, we're, we're really, you know, fortunate to have some great physical therapists and athletic trainers that'll provide him really quality care and, and make sure that he's uh, you know, on the, on the right road to recovery. Speaking of, of sticking down there in Fort Myers, what's, what's the balancing act of, you know, do you bring a guy to St. Paul to the alternate site in April or leave a guy down there? Like, you know, the Sabatos of the world, the Canarinos, but then I think about like the Nick Gordons of the world. Like if you're on the 40 man roster, but not on the 26, are you automatically in St. Paul? Like what's, what's that balancing act look like? Yeah. Um, it's, it's going to be a little bit different for everyone. And I don't think there will be any hard and fast rules. Um, you know, we'll have to navigate the, the intricacies of the alternate site and the rules that, that come with uh, taxi squad players and um, having guys clear intake processes and um, being, being eligible options to, to get called up and, and so on. Um, so 
you know, there will be, it will be workout based, heavy live, live EP, sim game, inner squad oriented at the alternate site, obviously down here at minor league spring training. If, if that kicks off uh, with its expected kickoff date of approximately April 1st, um, there'll still be a couple of weeks stretch before we're playing competitive games against other teams in, in minor league spring training. So, um, you know, there's a, some, some unusual quirks here this year that we're going to have to make factor into our decisions for, for what, what makes the most sense for, for each guy. And that, that changes a little bit based, you know, whether you're a pitcher or uh, a hitter and, and how close you are to being uh, a call-up or a depth call-up if, uh, if there was uh, an injury or, or otherwise. So a lot of different things we're trying to work through and uh, waiting, waiting to understand kind of the, the final rules and regs uh, to, to make some, some decisions on that front. I mean, just another reminder, like this is really go time for you guys in the front office. Like this stretch right now with all the decisions that need to be made, not only with the 26 man roster, but, but, you know, bigger than that, or, you know, beyond that. I mean, I would think that this is as a grind, you know, as much a grind as, as any time on the, on the calendar. Yeah. Yeah. The whiteboard's very full with all the things we need to check off on the list. Uh, you know, not only from roster decisions and, and things like that, but COVID protocols, making sure, uh, our, our ballpark's ready to go on the home and visiting side, making sure we're ready to go for the alternate site. Um, our communication for minor league spring training has been very much delayed uh, compared to normal. Normally these things get squared away in late December, early January. And uh, instead, uh, you know, we're still kind of trying to figure out the right timing to communicate everything for intake processes down here and, and so on. So it's, uh, you know, an environment and a time where we just need to be as adaptable as possible and work together as a group and stay on top of uh, everything we can to put ourselves in a good spot here. My temptation is to call him J.A., but I know it's J, but it just, it, it stares at me and it's, it's J.A. It should be J.A., but I, I have know the it's same, J. I have the same, uh, the same urge at times. So yeah. I mean, it's, it's so unique, but anyway, how, how does Hap look? And, you know, I mean, he came in late after, after the positive COVID test, but like, is he ready to start for you guys? You know, whatever it is, game four, game five, in early April, or do you need to push him back a little bit? Yeah, he, he um, has been been on his ramp up, uh, as you mentioned, you know, did, did get a, a slightly late start, but we're feeling good about the progress he's making uh, in that ramp up looks, you know, fully good to go looks like himself and, you know, veteran, uh, veteran presence veteran know, knows how to get himself ready for a season. So um, all those things we're feeling really good about and obviously still have to uh, finalize exact rotation decisions and, and considerations there with you know, off days and, and other things that, that opponents matchups that, that we're looking at, but uh, things are certainly trending well for, for Jay and, and we're, we're feeling good about uh, his, the, the, the addition and stabilization he'll provide to the rotation this year. I'll hit you on two young pitchers, Duran. Has Duran gotten into a game? And if he hasn't, what, what's the reasoning behind that? Uh, he did not get into a game before he was optioned. Um, ultimately, um, you know, we, he was a little bit behind on his ramp up schedule coming out of the off season. He had a little bit of a funky off season himself. And, um, you know, we're trying to, um, make sure that we are being, um, as, as diligent as possible, uh, with, with all these minor league guys that had funky, uh, funky years last year, um, whether they were at the alternate site or instructional league only and working out at home to, to manage their workload so that, um, you know, they are, um, you know, again, peaking at the right time and, and, probably one of the mottos of, of this year is not going to be, it is going to be, it's not, not about uh, where you're starting or, or what happened in March, but where, where you're looking in July, August, September, and, and potentially October. So trying to play the long game with, uh, with Yoan and, 
Um, he's looked really good in some of the live BPs, feeling uh, really good about progress he's making for sure, and and just trying to uh, be smart about uh, workload considerations. Good. I had missed it that he had been options. I know some guys have, some haven't. Like like a Cantorino hasn't been. So thank you for for clarifying that. What about Chalmers? Yeah. So Dakota uh, was also optioned at that same in that same grouping with with Yoan, um, and in a lot of ways similar. Still uh, young arm. Uh, we believe a bright future. Um, he, Dakota, we're trying to to manage his his ramp up workload as well. Um, he he's very much focused on um, continuing to improve his command. You know, he he has off the off the charts quality in pitch qualities with his with his high quality fastball and and breaking balls. Um, you know, it, any anyone who's looked at his statistical uh, pages in the past sees that that walk rates remain remain elevated, and that that's a a goal that he continues to commit himself to and. Uh, we're trying our best to find every way to, to help him improve in that regard and, and optimistic he'll, he will do so. Uh, so he's been in a different plan in terms of what uh, we're individualizing for compared to uh, Duran, but, but ultimately uh, same, same type of schedule and programming uh, as we, as we monitor him, he was actually throwing the YBP uh, just the other day at the same time as Duran. So uh, they're on similar timing in that regard. I brought up Cantorino's name. Am I nuts, Jeremy, to think that, I mean, maybe it's the unique delivery. Maybe it's the, the lightning fastball, but that he can maybe help you guys, maybe more so out of the bullpen, but he could maybe help you guys this year. But then I think about, you know, workload, like, you know, if he starts a double A or high A and he's starting, you know, and that's early May when, when those seasons ramp up, that maybe his workload come August, it'll just, it'll have hit a max and, Maybe he wouldn't be in a position to help you. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a little bit tricky to to navigate all those things again with with just kind of zero official innings on the docket from from last year. But um, you know, ultimately, especially on the pitching side, we were able to to track as uh, you know all the pitches guys threw throughout the the shutdown period into the alternate site into uh, instructional league, depending on who we're talking about. So um, you know, Matt was was one of the players that took most advantage of this shutdown period um, in 2020, really committed himself to improving his changeup, saw massive improvements in the movement quality of that pitch. So um, we're really excited about him. He's throwing harder. He's got four really quality pitches. He's been someone who's been quite durable uh, during his, uh, his career at Rice and um, someone who likes to throw, likes to throw a lot. So, you know, we'll have to see how this continues to unfold. Um, you know, it, it's always tricky understanding um, you know, how a guy is going to perform in the, in the, you know, upper levels of the minor leagues with, without the, the track record that we're used to having um, due to the last year, not facing um, uh, opponents in competitive situations. So we're, we're going to be evaluating it, um, you know, every day, uh, you know, and, and probably even more so than, than normal, just to, to um, see how all the uh, intricacies and uniqueness of what we're dealing with in 2021 uh, unfold here. So his velos up. I mean, other guys have their velos going up. Like, how do you guys maximize that? How do you guys take a guy that throws whatever it is, 92, 93, and all of a sudden he's throwing, you know, 96, 97? Yeah, uh, it's it's really a team effort on the on the player development side of things. Our our pitching coordinator group um pairing with our uh with our performance team and and with our analytics team and and trying to optimize every every opportunity, every edge we can for each guy. It it looks and feels a little bit different on what the programming is. And something we really pride ourselves on is uh individualized development plans. So 
um, you know, bringing in a variety of different perspectives into those conversations and then um, really staying on top of tracking progress um, through as, as days, weeks uh, unfold to, to see if we're, we're inching towards those goals, if we're, if we're moving away from those goals, if we're staying stagnant. So um, a lot of people have contributed to those processes. And for each guy, it's, it's a slightly different crew within those, those groups, but um, really proud of the work that um, everyone puts in. And, and then, it, and then it, from there, it's up to the player to, to go, go out and, and work hard. And uh, we, we've been fortunate enough with um, the players that our amateur scouting, international scouting group have identified that we have a lot of um, high makeup, high character individuals that um, take advantage of the information they're given and, and, and work really hard to um, put themselves in the best spots for, for success. I'll hit you with just a couple more. Appreciate your time. So Kenta Maeda, I mean, he told us like day one of, of camp going back weeks, he's, he's trying to add another pitch. Where, where are things at in terms of him adding another pitch? Yeah, so he, uh, I, I think uh, it's a it's a rite of passage to be able to say you throw the most most pitches uh, in in ma- in the major leagues. But um, Ken Kenta's been been messing around with um, a couple different options there, and um, you know he's just trying to, to to think about the way best ways to give himself as many looks as possible against uh, right-handed hitters and left-handed hitters. Obviously, had a phenomenal season last year, and um, really optimistic that he's gonna uh, gonna build on that and and put himself in. Um, a good spot to uh, to back up his his 2020 success. So there's a few of you, Jeremy, that have the title of assistant general manager. You specifically, like what what are your duties down there? Um, yep. Yeah, so the the two primary pillars of of our org that I'm responsible for are our player development group and our uh, performance team. So uh, spending a lot of time with our performance team right now, which consists of um, our medical staff, our uh, athletic trainers, physical therapists, training conditioning staff, team doctors, sports psych, um, nutrition, uh, and so on. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's a, one of the few opportunities we have to, to, to all be together. I spent a lot of time during the off season with that group, uh, Zoom calls and trying to um, improve our protocols in, in a number of regards and a lot of hard work put in by uh, Dr. Camp and Michael Salazar, Ian Kadish and, and their whole teams to, um, feel like we're we're optimizing everything we we can from from a performance side of things. So spending a lot of time with that group um, in morning meetings and discussions, opportunities for a couple of new initiatives as well, um, and then connecting with our player development group as much as possible. Alex Hassan, Drew McPhail, Tommy Burgess, Brian Maloney, um, and our coordinator crew to uh, do our best to make sure we're ready to, to hit the ground running once minor league spring training does get up and running here. So. Um, this is the best time to get to connect with a lot of people in, in short periods of time, even with limited staff numbers this year. And, um, you know, anything we can do to um, enhance relationships in, in this time is going to serve us well once once the season comes and have to navigate any challenges that are thrown our way. I saw it's your boss's birthday. It's Derek Falvey's birthday. What does one get Derek Falvey for his birthday? Uh, I, I think the answer is nothing because he gets uh, he, he gets very upset when people talk to him about his birthday. He said he's something like today which uh as everyone knows is, is not true so um right now we're going with nothing we we might evaluate uh, reevaluate that as the day goes on but uh it, it's a it's a touchy subject at the moment in, in the office right now take him out to dinner whenever that's allowed i don't even know like are you allowed to go out to dinner like what what are the covid rules like if you and derek want to go have dinner are you allowed to do that uh not not really uh Technically, outdoor dining was approved starting uh, in early March. Um, 
which needs to be distanced and with people in your household and and so on. So uh, it's been a lot more family time for the people that have families down here than uh, than normal. But ultimately, that's I, I think a good thing. So definitely don't want that to be uh, viewed in any any negative light. But it has felt notably different compared to spring trainings in the past, where um, usually a lot of opportunities uh, to the earlier point of of team building, relationship building, connecting over over meals and drinks and and so on, which, um, you know, right, right now day kind of ends when, uh, when, it, when, when the workday ends or the game ends and, um, and that, that, that's kind of where we're at right now. That's just, that's nuts to me. It just is. So like, even if guys that have been tested, like if Josh Donaldson and Miguel Sano want to hang out, they can't even do that away from the facility. Uh, there, there's all kinds of rules and regs in the 108 page manual that we're, we're working super hard to, to follow. And they also keep getting, uh, uh, the occasional amendments coming through, like, you know, uh, whether it's outdoor dining or otherwise. So, um, we're working hard to, to be co uh, compliant on, on all fronts there. And, um, and, and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll throw anything that, uh, we'll hit anything that's thrown our way and, and, and keep, keep moving forward. Keep staying sane. I can only imagine. I mean, we've all been impacted one way or another. I mean, I guess, you know, grand scheme of things, it's not the end of the world, right? I mean, a lot of people are dealing with a lot worse things than not being able to go out to dinner with a friend. But I just, you know, I think about just mental health of people and, and how, you know, people's mental health has, has been impacted over the last year. So it's just, it's crazy to me. So I appreciate the conversation, Jeremy. Seriously, stay safe, stay sane, and, and we'll stay in touch. I appreciate it, Darren. Thanks. Thanks for your time and looking forward to catching up more at some point soon. Absolutely. Long season. So I'll be in touch. Awesome. Twins assistant general manager, Jeremy Zoll. It was the Wasserman agency. So they represent heck on the twins. They represent Kenta Maeda, Jose Barrios. The Wasserman agency is a huge agency. It was the Wasserman agency that negotiated Ben Johnson's five-year deal. We'll get the money sometime on Tuesday, or at least as soon as Tuesday, but the money is not going to be what Richard Patino was making. We're not talking one nine or two million or anything in that ballpark. So the Gophers are going to save money, but a lot of people are pumped up by the Ben Johnson hire. We'll dive deeper on the Ben Johnson hire in future Scoop podcast, but he has earned this opportunity. Admittedly, I'm biased. I've known Ben for a long time. He was, you know, he ghosted a lot of us for a while here because he didn't want the information out there to hurt his chances. I think early on, he might even say this on Tuesday, that he felt like he was an incredible long shot. But from the Zoom interview with Coyle, then into the in-person interview over the weekend, Coyle and President Gable, clearly Ben Johnson won them over. He's won over a lot of people. So if you're a skeptic, I get it. But just give him some time. Let's see how he attacks the transfer portal. He'll be able to attract some players immediately. Then let's see what he does with the 2022 recruiting class. His staff will be very important. I would keep Ed Conroy. Conroy wants to stay. You keep Liam Robbins that way. He knows Ed pretty well. Dave Thorson is an obvious name. Let's see who else potentially maybe ends up filling out the staff. I think Ed, I think there's a decent chance he ends up staying. We'll see on, on Coach Thorson and others. Thorson right now, the former De La Salle head coach, is at Colorado State on Nico Medved's staff. All right, I'm up against it. I want to get home. In fact, I got to get to the grocery store and grab some stuff for the family. I want to get home and be able to tuck my kids in. So, and, you know, see my wife for the first time in, in a handful of hours. So I'll save the Gable Steveson conversation, as you can probably expect. He was 
I talked to him this morning, so 36 hours later, he's still on cloud nine after winning the national championship on Saturday. He was right back to school, online classes. Today, he talked to me in between a class or two. And the immediate future, like he wants to represent Team USA this summer in the Tokyo Olympics. But we talked about maybe the WWE, maybe a football future. I can save that conversation for a future podcast. So I am wrapping up Scoop Podcast episode 340 on this Monday night, the 22nd of March right now. So we are done. Thank you for listening. Stay safe. Stay sane.